Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Continuing in the Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilchos Shabbos, Hilchot Shabbat, Perek Asiri, Chapter 10. We're going through the various laws dealing with the various melochas, the labors, continuing with, as the Rambam enumerates it, in the very beginning of chapter 7 of Perek Shvi, labor number 21, v'hakshira, tying. Tying and untying is something they did in the Mishkan. Hakesher kesher shel therefore, if a person ties a knot, which is intended to remain permanent, and permanence is the key word here, there's another key word, vehu maise umon. It's a knot that can be tied only by a craftsman, which means you have to be trained in knots. Like in the Navy, they tie knots. You got to know how to tie knots. So it's permanent and it's a craftsman style knot. Chayov, he's liable. He violated the labor of kosher, kshiro, tying. Again, for example, Kesher Hagimalim, the Kesher Asaponim. The knots tied by camel drivers, the knots tied by the navy, by seamen. The Keshre Ritsues, Mino, the Sandal, Shakeshrin, Haratzinin, Bishasasiosan. Or knots tied by shoemakers. When making shoes and sandals, we're not talking about a person tying your shoes, but the creation of the shoe and sandal, those knots that were tied. These are forms of violation. So we have two conditions. Condition number one is it has to be permanent. Condition number two, it has to be a craftsman style of sophistication. Avol, however, hakesher kesher shlokayoma, if he ties a permanent knot, and it's not a craftsman's knot. Potter is exempt. Or the kesher shlokayoma, it's not permanent. And it's not craftsman's mutter the kosher the chatchila that you can even do to begin with with no hesitation. Beis keitzad. What are we talking about? What if one of a, a, a person's strap on his shoe is sandal strap tore, and he tied it? Nifsak hachevel a rope tore, and he tied it. Or he ties a rope to a bucket. Or he tied the bridle of an animal to the animal. All of these are examples of where the person is not liable. All similar knots. Shehain, because the above list are Masehejit, these are lay people's knots. They're not professionals. And anybody can tie them with the intention of them remaining permanent. You don't need a big genius. On the other hand, anything that's not a permanent knot, if he did it with the sophistication of professional expertise, then it would be forbidden. 
So we have the two conditions and the way they interact with each other. A woman can tie the opening of her garment, of her cloak. Although it has two openings, so conceivably she can open one and get in and out of it, and the other remains permanent, so one can argue that it's permanent. Nevertheless, it's not. Or she can tie strands of a hairnet, although it hangs loosely on her head, that's okay. Straps of shoes and sandals, which are tied on the foot when they're worn, and are pouches of wine, pouches of oil, although it has two Protrusions, the uh, pouches were tied at each of those protrusions, and although the liquid can be removed by opening only one of them, neither of the knots is considered to be permanent because it was customary to open both knots, because then the liquid would flow more freely. So this is the meaning of tying these pouches of wine and oil, even though it has two protrusions, and ordinarily, you would open both, but you could open one. Or tying a pot of meat. Even though it's possible to remove the meat without tying the knot. There's no problem tying a bucket with a linen cord, a belt, or other similar object. Not with a rope, because that is what was used for buckets. A person could tie a rope before an animal or tie it to an animal's foot, securing it or securing its gate, so it will not go out or securing it to a gate. Although this involves, even though it involves two knots, still it's permissible. What if there was a rope tied to a cow? One can tie it to the feeding trough. Or he could tie it to the cow. If it was tied to the feeding trough, he could tie it to the cow. What he should not do is, he should not bring a rope from home and tie it to both the cow and the feeding trough, because that's very professional. What if it was a weaver's rope, which is permitted to deal with? Then he can tie both the cow and the trough. Because they're all layman's knots. They have no permanence. Sometimes he unties, sometimes he ties, sometimes he unties. Therefore, muter likshir esam the chatchil. It's permissible to tie them to begin with. Baskets of dates and dried figs. Matir umafkia the chesach. He can untie, break off, or cut the cord. Venetel veechal and take them and eat them. Dalid kol sheroi lamachal behemim muter likshir esam b'shabbos. 
any substance that's fit to be used as animal food may be used for tying on the Shabbos. Therefore, what if a person's sandal strap became loosened in a non-public domain? A Carmelis is a domain that's not public by Torah law because there isn't enough traffic there or similar. You could take a moist reed that's fit to be eaten by an animal. And he can wind it around. And tie it. What if the sandal strap slips from its place? Or one's foot slips from the sandal. It's permissible to return the straps to their places. As long as he doesn't make a knot, that kind of a knot, because that would be permanent. Hey, Ho'aniva, what about a bow or a loop? Muteris is permissible. Fishenim is chalef as bikshira, because people don't interchange bows or loops with knots. The fikr therefore are chebel shenipsak, if a rope snapped. Mikabit shnek so he takes the two ends, vikedach all of meshicha, and can wind one of these Linen cords around them, and make a bow, make a loop. For the purpose of a mitzvah, it's permissible to make a non-permanent knot. Again, for example, he has to do something to be able to calibrate one of the Torah's measures, or... What if somebody has a harp and it has a string which snapped? In the base of you can retie it, but not in the rest of Israel. But to begin with, for the first time, one should never tie the string of the harp in the base of Migdash. Zion 7, anything that, any knot that one would make, which one would be liable for making the knot. Kachayovim al one would be liable for undoing the knot. Going back again to the list of the Rambam, in the very beginning of chapter 7, you have Hakshida is 21, tying. 22 is Vihahatorah, untying. So untying is also one of the 39 labors. So any knot that one is culpable, liable for tying, one would be liable as well for the malacha, for the labor of untying. The whole kesher, shakesher, and any knot where one ties it, one is potter, not liable, exempt. Kachamater, they potter, so also one who unties it is also exempt. The whole kesher, shumutu, lekoshre, kachmutu, latire, any knot that may be tied may also be untied. Ches et hapeso, chavolim minahutzinu minachelev. If a person winds together a rope from palm branches, from, he translates here as love grass, a michute tzemer from strands of wool, a michute pishtan, strands of flax, a chute seyer or strands of goat's hair, or kayetzeban or anything similar, harezatel deskesher, it is a derivative of the Labor of tying, v'chayev, and he's culpable, v'shiurah, and what's the minimum? K'deshiyamad ha'chebel, b'psilos, e'belek shiurah. 
The minimum is that the length of the rope should remain wind without being tied. Then the work that he performed is permanent. So also a person who unwinds a cord performs a derivative of the forbidden labor of untying the chayev and he would be culpable. Provided that he doesn't only merely intend to ruin something, to destroy, but he has to have a meaningful purpose in mind. And its minimum measure is so as much as it would take for that winding of the court. So that was labors 21 and 22. Kshira and Hahatara, and now we go to 23, and that's Tfira and Kriya, <clears throat> and that is sewing and tearing, which is the opposite of sewing. Hakireya, when somebody tears a length of a garment, Kidei, with the intent of Litvashtefiris, where he's going to now sew a minimum of two stitches, Amanas Litvashtefiris, either in order that or on the condition that he will, I'm sorry, he tears a length of two stitches with the intent of Sewing two stitches, Chayav, he's culpable. Aval, but if somebody tears, I believe the word, the proper word is rips. The hafsida just to ruin the garment, Potter is exempt. because ruining is not a labor as we've learned. However, and here's a fascinating law: if somebody tears a garment in anger because he's angry. So he tears a garment because he's, God forbid, doing kriya, renting a garment for mourning. Where the Torah demands that he does that, he would be culpable, he would be liable for violating the Shabbos. Why? He's only destroying. He's not only destroying, he's also accomplishing something. Because he calms his mind down, and his temper will calm down, his feelings will calm down. He'll settle his natural inclination. Being that his temper will calm, or his anguish will be abated, then he's fixing something. He's fixing his mood. And he's culpable. Somebody who makes an opening for a neck and a garment on Shabbos, Chayev is liable. There are various interpretations as to what he means, and so on. 11. Hamadabik Niyores. If somebody glues together papers or hides leather with a scribe's glue or similar this is an offshoot, a derivative of sewing because he's glueing is like sewing. And he's culpable. He's liable. So also if somebody separates paper that was glued together or hides that are stuck together. He's not only destroying, but he's doing it for a reason. It's a derivative of tearing, ripping, tearing, and he's culpable. Again, kereya is the opposite of tfira. It's 23 and 24. 
Sowing and tearing. There's an interesting note here, which talks about diapers or pampers, which have a tape, and you remove the tape in order to be able to reapply it. They were never meant to be glued permanently, and therefore that would not theoretically violate the prohibition of removing glue, undoing glue. And again, we don't make halachic decisions from Rambam. 12, Habayna Kol Shehu, moving right along, following 23 and 24, we come to 25, which is Vehabinyan Vastira, building and demolishing. Habayna Kol Shehu, anybody who builds any minimum, Chayev is culpable. A person who levels a floor inside his house is liable whether he lowers a raised piece of earth or fills a cavity. He's building and he's culpable. What if one person placed the stone there? And won the mortar. Obviously the person who put the mortar is culpable. But at the top layer, the top level, top shelf, top row, just by putting the stone on top of the mortar, Chayev is culpable. Because you're not going to put more mortar. So that's the deal. Somebody builds on utensils, on the base of utensils, Potter, there he would be exempt. And as we've learned earlier, Potter means Potter Aval Oser. He's exempt, but it's still forbidden. 13, somebody erects a permanent tent. It's a derivative of building, and he's culpable. If somebody fashions an earthenware utensil, for example, an oven, and a jug, before it's burned, it's a derivative of building the Chayev and his culpable. The Chayna Magabinas Agvina, so also, and this was, co- this was covered earlier when we talked about the idea of building. It was originally covered in, I believe, chapter 7, Halacha 6. And the Gabin if somebody builds cheese, makes cheese, it's a derivative of building, but he has to make a minimum amount of cheese the size of a dried. Fig. If somebody takes the axe and puts it into the axe handle, it's a derivative of building because he built an axe. Similar, anything similar. If somebody puts a piece of wood and fits it into another piece of wood, he does it with a nail. Or just the two pieces of wood become one. It's a derivative of a building, and he's culpable. 14. Anybody who makes even the slightest hole in a chicken coop, in order that light get in, he's liable, building. If he returns the door of a well, a cistern, or a wing of a building to its place in the ground, he's liable for building. 15. We said originally that in chapter 7, the Rambam enumerates building as 25, stira, demolishing as 26. Anybody who demolishes anything at all, 
Chayev, he's culpable. But who? Conditional upon the fact. Sheyister, that he will demolish Hamanas Livnes for the purpose of building. Because when one demolishes for the purpose of building, it's an extension of building. But if he's demolishing in a destructive way, Potter is exempt. If somebody demolishes a permanent tent, or separates a piece of wood attached to another, it's a derivative of Caesar of demolishing. And he's culpable. Only if he intends to improve it afterwards. One who gives the final blow with the hammer, that means like the craftsman would say, I'm done. That's called makeh bepatish, you give the final blow. Chayav, he's liable. As an offshoot of that, as a derivative of that, anybody who completes any labor, is a derivative of the final blow of the hammer. Chayav, and he's Liable. A person who blows a glass vessel. Somebody who is putting a design in a vessel. I feel the mix of partial design. Somebody is planing, sanding. We're making a hole. It's in wood. It's in metal. It's in a building. Vessels. How does it tell this? That's a derivative of this banging with the hammer. And he's culpable. Any door that is not made to go in and out of. One is not culpable for making that door. 17. Hamefis Shechin. What if somebody pierces a blister on Shabbos with the intention of widening the opening of the wound? That's what doctors do. You got to widen the opening so you can work with it. Their intention is to heal by doing that, not to hurt. That's also the end hammer blow. Because that's what doctors do. But if he just pierced it to remove the pus, then that's a good thing. That's an act that is actually permissible. And that would be included in You don't need the body of the labor. You need the result. 18. If somebody files a stone, even slightly, he has the same transgression of the final hammer blow. By the way, the transgression of this final hammer blow is transgression, is labor number 27. If somebody aligns a stone in the foundation of a building, and adjusts it with his hand, put it in the right place, he's culpable, he's liable, for the final hammer blow. Halekit Yabeles or Yaveles Shalgabe Begodim Biyode. If somebody removes threads on clothing, Kigaineo Hayavelish Pleasemer, like these threads that are in woolen garments, Hayabishumakabapatish, he's also finishing the object by taking off that loose thread. Wushiakpalaim, that is assuming that the thread bothers him. But he just dis- removed it because subconsciously he always removes threads. This could be considered exempt. If somebody shakes out a new black garment in order to make it attractive, 
to remove any white dots of thread that are upon it. As craftsmen would do, he would be culpable to bring a sin offering for an inadvertent transgression. But if he's not concerned, then it's permissible. It's only, he's only culpable if it means something to him. 19, you test now... Moving right along in the list of transgressions, we come to 28, list of labors of Melachas, Vahatsida, and that is trapping or hunting. If somebody traps a living creature, which is common to trap, Kigain, for example, a Chayav is culpable. Kigain, for example, Chaya, an animal, Vaipis, or birds, Vedagim, and fish. Assuming that he traps it in a place that doesn't require more trapping. Ketzad, for example, he ran after a deer, until he caused it to enter into a house, or a garden, or a yard, when he closed the house or garden or yard and locked the deer into it, or he caused the bird to fly, until he caused the bird to fly into the migdal, some kind of closet or dresser or something. And he was fishing for fish in the sea, and he caused the fish to enter into a bowl of water, a fish bowl. He's liable. But if he caused the bird to blow into, to fly into the house, and then he shut the door, a dog, or he caused a fish to swim, and he removed it from the river, to a pool of water, or he pursued a deer, until the deer went into a large Banquet hall, and then locked it up in the banquet hall. He's exempt. Why? This is not called a done deal. When he comes to get all of the above, he still has to run after to hunt it again. Therefore, using this logic, if somebody hunts for a lion, He's only culpable if he puts the lion into its cage, into its pen. But to lock a lion into an area is not sufficient because, uh, you know, knock yourself out trying to get the lion into its pen. 20. Anywhere where if a person ran, he can reach the animal in a single movement. The walls were near to one another. Where the shadow of both walls meet in the middle. This considered a limited space. If he caused the deer to run into it or anything similar, Chayev is culpable. But a larger place, somebody causes a wild animal or fowl to go into it. Potter is exempt. 21, we learned earlier about the Shmeina Shrotzim, about the eight creeping animals mentioned in the Torah. And we enumerated this earlier in chapter 8, Halacha 9. Chapter 8, Halacha 9. He talks about in the note. 
that this would be the weasel, the mouse, the ferret, the hedgehog, the chameleon, the lizard, the snail, and the mole. The eight creeping animals mentioned in the Torah, which I just enumerated, or any other creeping animals and crawling things, where you can say there is hunting and trapping, one is somebody who traps even one of them, for a purpose or not, just to play with them, he's culpable, because he intended to hunt and to trap. A labor which is not required for the actual deed, he's still culpable. But if somebody hunts an old animal or a sleeping animal, Chayav is still culpable because even when the animal's old and even when the animal's sleeping, you have to tiptoe and make sure the animal does not wake up. Unlike a law we're going to learn a little later in number 24, where he's going to talk about somebody, an animal who can't move. 22, Amashaleach, Klovim, somebody who six dogs, six dogs to trap deer or rabbit, or similar. And the deer ran away because of the dog. And the dog ran after the deer. stood in front of it, and he scared it. I'm sorry. The person was running after the deer. The person stood in front of it. And scared it. Until the dog arrived. And he caught it. This standing in front of it. Or scaring it. Would be a derivative of trapping. And he's culpable. Similarly speaking with fowl. 23... A deer that enters into a house, and somebody locks the house down. Chayev is culpable. If two of them lock the house down, they're exempt. Because two people who do what one does, he's exempt. If only one, I'm sorry, if one cannot do it, and two did it, then they are culpable. Yoshav, Echod, Ala Pesach, if one stood by the door, he did not fill in the space in the door so that the animal or whatever he's trying to trap could go right past him. And then a second person came along and filled that space. The second is culpable. Because the second one completed the trapping deed. What if the first one sat and he did fill the space? And the other one came and sat right next to him. Even though the first one got up and left. The first one is culpable. Because the second guy didn't do anything. He's permitted to sit there until evening. And he takes the deer. What can this be compared to? If somebody 
locks his house to protect it. He had no idea there was a deer. He didn't intend to trap the deer, but the deer was trapped. He didn't do anything. What if a bird flew under one's garments? We can sit on the shamra and guard it until it gets dark and Shabbos is over. And that is permissible to begin with. Chav Dalit 24 out of 25. Hatzot Svizok. And if somebody hit, it traps an old deer, a senior citizen deer, a chiger or a lame, limping deer, a chela or a sick deer, a cotton or a baby deer, I guess Bambi. Pottery is exempt. A person who releases an animal or a domestic animal or fowl from a trap is exempt. If somebody traps an animal or fowl that's already in his domain, like ducks and chickens and doves, which are already his, Pottery is exempt. If somebody traps something which is not trappable, people don't trap. Again, for example, Hagovim, locusts, Hagizim, wild bees, Tsroim, hornets, Yatushim, mosquitoes, Ufarashin, fleas, Koyetzebel, similar, is a pottery is exempt. And finally, 25, very interesting. What if whatever he's trapping is dangerous? Remosim hamazikim, crawling beasts which are dangerous, such as kigain nechoshim vakrapim, snakes and scorpions, or kigetsuvam, or similar. Even though they don't necessarily kill but being that they bite, it is permissible to trap them on Shabbos. Who provided that? The only reason he's trapping them is to save himself from being stung by them, not because he wants them. Kate side away, so what does he do? Kate he can place a vessel over them, a makabalem, or he can cover them, a kashin, or tie something over them. in order that they not cause harm. End of chapter. 10 in the laws of Shabbos of the Rambam.